0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 145, and we'll be reading that together this morning and allowing those words to point us to, to God. So would you read with me Psalm 145? A psalm of praise of David, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your, your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations." The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you are worthy to be praised. And we ask as we turn to your word that you would open our eyes to your heart and your message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when I was a kid, one of the things that I liked to do was go to the ravine with my friends. There was this forest, and we would go explore. But to get there, we had to jump over this six-foot-high fence. And so one day in the winter, my friends and I decided we were going to go to the forest. We were going to go look around, see what we could find. And so we all went to the fence, my friends all climb up to the fence, they jump over to the other side, and then it's my turn. I get ready, I start climbing the fence, I get to the top, and I jump, but I never hit the ground. I didn't jump far enough away from the fence, and so as I was falling, the fence post went behind my jacket, and I was hanging there like a little puppet. And my friends were sitting below me, laughing. And I was stuck. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't wiggle my way out of it. My arms were in my sleeves. The coat was, was being hung above my head, and so I had no strength, no way to get down by myself. I was completely stuck, completely vulnerable. And I wonder if there's many of us here today who feel that way in life Sometimes. Like life has gotten away from us, like we are stuck and we don't know how to move forward, like we are completely vulnerable, like we can't do anything but just hang there in the moment. Now, luckily for me, that day after my friends stopped laughing at me, they helped me get down. But it's a little trickier when it comes to our actual life, isn't it? How do we move forward when it feels like there's no way we can move And I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I don't know if you're here today and you feel that way now. But what we need to do is let Psalm 145 speak to us and point us to the one who can give us joy, who can revitalize our lives when we need it. We need to pay attention to the praise that David offers and allow his praise to become our praise and fill our lives with the joy that we need. And so we're going to begin today, and we're going to look at this psalm, and we're just going to start with the title for a moment. I just want to spend a little bit of time on the title, A Psalm of Praise of David. Did you know that this is the only psalm that has the word praise in its title? There's a lot of psalms that go through praise. There's a lot of praise to be found in the psalms, but this is the only one that in its very title identifies it as a psalm of praise. And as we read through it, it's easy to see why. It's really praise from beginning to end. It's one note, just David worshiping God with all that he has. It's just pouring out of him. And so this might seem like a weird psalm to come to when it comes to figuring out how we can be revitalized, how we can find joy in our lives when we just feel stuck. Because it just seems like David is just uh, praising and worshiping. And what if we don't feel like praising and worshiping right now? How can this psalm that is just praise and praise and praise really speak to me in those moments? But as we look to the context of this psalm, I think we'll really see how this psalm can be helpful for us. See, this is Psalm 145. It's the last psalm that we have of David in our Bibles. And we know that he wrote this song towards the end of his life, This isn't just David saying, things are going great right now, and so I praise God. This is David looking back on his entire existence and his walk with God and saying, I have to praise God. James Boyce, James Montgomery Boyce, says this about Psalm 145. He says, it's really a summary of all David has learned about God during a long lifetime of following hard after the Almighty. It's a summary of all David has learned about God during a long lifetime of following hard after the Almighty. This is a summary of David's life. This is a summary of his existence. It's really, as David is getting towards the end of his life, he's saying, I want to write one more song. I want to leave behind one more set of words. And he says, with my last years, I want to remind people that they need to praise God. God. And whenever I think through the Bible and you come to one of these moments where you get the last words of somebody, something towards the end of their life, and they say, I have one message left to give. I have one more word for you. This is what it is. I think we need to take that seriously. I don't know how many of you here are, are big film fans, but I love watching movies. And one of the, the best movies of all time, and it's, it's in the top 10 on basically everyone's list, is the movie called Citizen Kane. And Citizen Kane is this incredible movie that's based on one idea. There's this rich, powerful man, and his last word before he dies is rosebud. And so there's a reporter who goes to great lengths to figure out what does rosebud mean, because if it was Charles Foster Kane's last words, they must be significant. And here we have... Not the very last words of David, but what acts as a final psalm from him. A summation of everything that he's been through. And this isn't just some important person and we're trying to figure out their last words. This is David looking back on his life saying, I praise God with everything I have and we need to really figure out why. Why is this what David thinks about when it comes towards the end of his life? We need to dig in and find them with all the seriousness of the reporter trying to find out Cain's last words. And I will say, during the first service, somebody came after me, up to me after and said, thanks for ruining Citizen Kane. And I have two things to say if you're thinking that right now. One, it's from 1941, so get over it. But two, saying that the movie Citizen Kane is about a guy trying to find out what Rosebud means is like saying The Little Mermaid is about a little mermaid. I didn't ruin the ending. I can. If you want after, you can come talk to me. But trust me, it's still worth watching. I didn't tell you what happens. I just told you what the movie's about. But we need to take seriously... These are David's final words. This is what he wants us to know as he gets towards the end of his life, and it's praise. And I think this is important for us because it's not just one situation that has brought him to praise, but looking back on his whole life, as he looks at the, the highs of his life, becoming king, being, being anointed by God, the victories that God has given him, the kingdom that God has given him, and the lows, the great sin of David's life the challenges that he faced, fleeing for his life, all of it together, he looks back and reflects on it and he says, I'm going to praise God. And so if we're sitting here today and we say, I'm in a tough spot in life. Things aren't going the way I expected them to right now. Or maybe even on the outside, everything looks great, but inside my, my, my faith and my joy seems to be diminishing. We can look at the psalm of David and know this isn't just how do you praise God when you're happy, but When I look at my life, I praise God for who he is, no matter the circumstances that I'm in. So let's continue as we read through the psalm together. We'll we'll look at verses 1 and 2 here. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. And right off the bat, David here is worshiping. And he reminds us that we need to worship, and we need to worship God. We need to praise him always. As David looks back at his life, the first words that come to his mouth are, I will exalt you, my God the King. Every day I will praise you forever, from now and ongoing, for all of eternity, I will praise you. And there's a lot of us in this room who probably know that we are to worship God and praise him every day in our heads. But it's a little different when it comes to actually knowing that in our hearts and coming to God and praising him day after day, no matter what is going on around us. If I'm honest, there's a lot of days where I don't want to praise God. I don't feel like praising God. He feels distant and far away from me. And so it's, it's hard. It's the farthest thing from my mind to praise God in those moments. But David here is saying, I will praise you every day. So what's the difference between David and me? I think David's praise is coming out of his personal experience with God. He has lived his life and worshiped God throughout it. He has written songs to God. He has experienced the love of God, the care of God, the compassion of God, the grace and forgiveness of God. And so his view of God is just extraordinary, and it pours out in his praise. And he can't help himself but praise every day. Ligon Duncan, the the pastor, when he was talking about this passage, He says, our praise is connected to our view of God. And then he said this, you will not greatly praise the Lord if you don't think he's great. You will not greatly praise the Lord if you don't think he's great. Our praise and our worship comes out of our view of God, understanding who he is. And we need to, like David, come to understand God's greatness and allow that to pour out of our lives as we greatly praise our Lord and our God. It's only through understanding who God is that we will be able to praise and worship God the way that David does in here, the only way that we will be able to say every day, from now and forevermore, I praise you, God, no matter what's going around me, because you are great. We must praise always. And as we continue through the psalm, what we're really going to see is David's view of God pouring out through his praise. And we need to let that view of God come into our hearts. We need to let David's praise shape the way that we worship God and shape the way that we view God. We're going to see a few lessons here about God as David continues to praise him. Let's turn to verses 3 to 7. And we'll see our first lesson we're going to learn from David's praise here. He writes, "'Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness.'" And so what we see here is, is David is praising God because he knows God is at work. He knows God is alive and active. He's aware of the things that God is doing in his life. He's aware of all the ways that God is moving, and it pushes him to a moment of praise, of worshiping God. And he's also looking back on all of the great things that God has done. He's able to look back and and look to Genesis and see the calling of God's people and the forming of Israel. He can look to Exodus and and see how God saved the Israelites who were slaves and, and turned them into a great kingdom. He can look back and see all the great things that God has done. And so he looks at his life and he sees what God is doing and he looks back and sees the great things that God has done for him and for his people. And he says, I have to praise you for that, God have to and he doesn't just praise God he proclaims the glory of God he proclaims what God is doing and he wants other people to join in him in his praise for God he wants other people to know the greatness of what God is doing in his life what God has done and he wants them to see the greatness that God is doing in their lives and so he praises and he worships God because God is at work And so if we want to praise like David, we need to understand that God is at work in our lives too. We need to see God and know that he's at work. And there's two things that I think can help us as we do this, two things that we need to do. The first, and I'm going to do this this week as I seek to to praise God more and more every day. The first is we need to make a list of all the incredible things God has done in our life. Have you ever noticed and, and read through the scriptures and seen how often the scriptures point back to the Exodus or how often the scriptures point back to Genesis and, and the God of Abraham, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I should probably say that in the right order when my boss is in the room. Uh, he, they constantly point back and worship God for what he's done. And when there's moments that it's hard to see what God is doing, they reflect on the things that God had already done. And so in our lives, we need to make note of the incredible ways that God has been at work in our lives so that we can have that list ready when we're struggling to see what God is doing. We need to remember the way that God has saved us. We need to remember the, the trials that God has brought us through, the suffering that he's been there with us in. We need to remember all of the great things that God has done in our life so that when it feels like it's hard to see what God is doing, we can look back and see what he's already done and worship him and praise him for that. But the other thing we need to do is to start being able to look through what's happening around us and find where God is still at work. It can be hard sometimes. Life doesn't go the way we want it to. There's disappointments and trials and suffering and pain. And when we're in those moments where everything seems to be falling in around us, we still need to look for God and say, I can see you at work. And I praise you that even though my life is not where I want it to be, you are still working. I'll be honest with you. One of the ways that I need to do that right now is through youth ministry. We had a lot of dreams about what youth group would look like in this building. We've Got a great gym, We've got a great room downstairs that we can worship in and a games room and a lounge. And we're in this building and we sit down in chairs that are six feet apart with masks covering most of our faces looking forward uh, and it is just a little bit awkward all of the time, more so than, than normal with high school students. Always a little bit awkward, a little more awkward now. It's not what I wanted it to be. It's not what the leaders wanted it to be. I hear from the students all the time, it's not what they wanted it to be when we get in here. And it's easy to get frustrated and say, you know what, this is just a huge letdown. But we need to stop and look. And so I do that every once in a while. And I remember God's word is being preached to students every week. I remember there are leaders trying to connect with students every week and share their experiences. I remember that there are new people coming to youth group. There's a whole group of people from the Karen church that's been meeting here that are coming to our youth group now. And I've gotten to meet some of these incredible teenagers from, from this whole other culture, this whole other community that I've never met before and see the way God is working in their lives. There is a student who wants to share his testimony with his friends and lead a Bible study as, as his friends seek to grow in their faith. We're worshiping God every week. He's still working. He's still at work in the lives of our students. He's still there. It's not like he's gone because we can't play basketball. He's still at work, and so we praise God for the things he's doing, even in the midst of things not looking the way we wanted it to. And so the first thing we learn here as we seek to praise God is he is at work and he is worthy to be praised. And as we keep looking, we'll see the next thing that we need to learn from David here as he praises God and it's God is good. Read with me verses 8 to 9. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And so as David pours out his praise, part of why he's doing this is because he's come to understand that God is good. And he knows this from looking back at his life. He knows this from all the times that God has been there for him and provided for him, all the ways that God has cared for his people. David has personally experienced the goodness of God over and over again. But there's a little more happening here. He's actually referencing Exodus 34.6. He's referencing a story when he talks about the goodness of God here. And in Exodus thirty-four six, we get this incredible moment where God reveals himself to Moses, where God tells Moses exactly who he is. I don't know how many of you here have ever seen The Masked Singer, but in that show, Part of the fun of it is trying to guess who's underneath all the costumes, right? So they have all these celebrities, they're all in these ridiculous, huge costumes, and, and part of it is trying to figure out who each person is. And each person, for each person, there's a little bit of information that's supposed to give you a hint at who's underneath the costume. They reveal a little bit of themselves to point you in the, rec- in the right direction. And then, eventually, one by one, each person takes off their mask and fully reveals who they are to everybody watching. And in Exodus 34, 6, that's kind of what God is doing here. He's revealing to Moses and saying, Moses, if you want to know who I am, this is who I am. So let's see what what God says in Exodus 34, verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness. And so as David is worshiping, as he's praising God, he says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all and has compassion on all he has made. And so he's praising God for who he is. He's praising God for being good. He's praising God as God has revealed himself to be. And we need to remember that as we seek to praise God. He was good when Moses was alive, he was good when David was alive, and he's good today. That has not changed, and so we can praise our good God. Let's continue. Verse 10. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. We'll stop there. The next lesson that we get from David here as he praises God is that God is king. We need to remember that, that God is king. And this is interesting coming from David because David is the king of Israel. But he never forgets that the true king is the Lord Almighty. He never forgets that the only reason David is king of Israel is because the actual king of all of creation has allowed him to be king. David never forgets who's in charge. There's a moment in in the Dark Knight Rises, the, the Batman movie, where, where this big bad bane comes before the man who hired him who paid him who thinks he's in control and Bane just gently puts this big meaty paw on the guy's shoulder and he asks him do you feel in control and when he says that you can see the fear come to the man's face as he's realized he's not in as in as control as he thought he was he thought he was the boss he thought he was in charge of everything and in this one moment, as he comes face to face with this big force, he realizes, I have no power here. We need to know that. We're not in charge. For some of us, we might find out that the hard way. We might find that out the hard way. Uh, when the, the circumstances of, of life come crashing down on us, when, when we're in this moment of despair, when all our plans are, are ruined, when everything we hoped for changes, we finally realize, I am not in charge but we can praise God because he is. David knew it, and if David didn't trick himself into believing just because he's king of Israel, he can run the show, he can be in control of his whole life, he knew that he served the greater king, then we need to remind ourselves of that too. And David understood that although his rule and reign would come to an end, God's never will. His kingdom would last forever and ever. And so those of us in here, who are having a tough time understanding that God is king, we need to remind ourselves and praise God that he's in control, not us. But there's other people here who maybe feel like no one's in control right now. I mean, that's easy to feel these days, isn't it? Things change day to day. All these rules are, are, are changing and, and happening, and you got to keep track, and it feels like it's just chaos everywhere. Nothing is going really the way that anyone thought it would. It's hard to see that anyone is in control in these times. And I think David understood that too. And remember, we're talking about David looking back on his life. And there were times when David literally had to flee for his life. There was a time when David had to run away from the current king who was supposed to protect him, who was supposed to pass on the kingship to him because God had chosen David. And instead, this current king, King Saul, wanted to kill him. And so David had to run from the king, run into the wilderness, hide for his life. And then later in life, David had to run from his own son. I think it's fair to say David understood what the chaos of life looked like. David knew what it was to feel like nothing was going the right way, like nobody is in control, like life is just spiraling out from him. But as he looks back, he says, No, there was always a king. The true king was always on his throne. God was always in control. Even when it looks like nothing is going right, even when it looks like nobody is in control, God is in control. His kingdom will not stop. It is coming, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop it. And so he praises God because he knows God is king. We'll pick up from the second half of verse 13 here. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. And so the next thing we learn here from David's prayer, from David's praise, is God is trustworthy. We can rely on him. God is faithful. He's faithful to the strong. He's faithful to the weak. He's faithful to all who turn to him. All of creation can depend on God because his promises are true and he is trustworthy. And David experienced this firsthand. David understands that despite all the odds, this little shepherd boy was picked to become king and he watched as God made it happen. David saw that despite all the odds, this little boy took down a great giant because God was in control. David has watched how God has has taken care of his people and, and built this nation just like he promised. And as he's getting to the end of his life, he can look and see his son, who's going to become the next king, just as God has promised And so David sees in his own life that God has been trustworthy, that he is faithful, that his promises come true. And we need to learn to see God the same way, to really trust in God with all that we have and pour out praises to him. A number of years ago, Aubrey, my my oldest child, my, my daughter, taught me what it means to trust God. It was my second year on staff here, and we, we were going on a senior high retreat up to MBC, and my family decided to, to come up with us. They, they rented the Havercroft's Cottage, and they would join us for the fun times of, of the youth retreat, and when things got crazy, they would just leave uh, and let me deal with it. Um, it was great. And on the way up, I drove up with my family, and, and Fiona and I decided we were going to make a Starbucks stop. And we had three little kids in the back. At this point, Sully was a month old. And we knew that if we stopped the car to get the Starbucks, Sully was going to lose his mind. And nobody wants to be on a three-hour car ride with a crying baby, even if it's yours. Um, that maybe sounded meaner than I wanted it to. <laughs> it's true. And so we come up with this great plan that Fiona's going to get out of the car. And I'm going I'm to stop and let her get out of the car. And then I'm going to keep driving around the parking lot, so Sully thinks we're still moving, and he won't cry, and it'll still be calm in the car, and it was a great plan. The only problem is I'm an immature child inside, which is why I do youth ministry still to this day, and as I start driving, I look back, and I look at Aubrey, who's three, and I say, let's leave your mom here, and then I start driving, and so Sully is calm, and Aubrey is just sobbing her mind out, the ugliest cry I've ever seen, just snot coming out of her nose. I thought it was a good joke. She didn't get it, which is really more on her than me, I think. But I stopped the car, and I look at her, and I say, why would you think I would ever actually leave your mom here? And she looked at me with these tears in her eyes, and she said, because you said it. Because you said it. And in that moment, I realized that her whole experience has been us as parents saying, okay, we're going to brush our teeth, and then we brush our teeth, or we're going to eat, and then we eat, or we're going to go to bed, and then we go in our bed. We don't fall asleep right away, but we go in our bed. Everything that we say really does happen in her life. And so when I say, we're going to leave your mom here, she's like, okay, we're leaving mom here, and she's devastated. Now, she didn't know that I'm actually a little bit evil inside at that point. She gets it now. Um... But that's the way that I learned I need to view God, is everything he's promised me has come true. He has saved me. He has taught me what it means to to follow after him. As I look through scripture and I see these amazing things he's done, there's nothing that he says that doesn't come true. And so I can trust God and I can praise him for his faithfulness. I'd like to say I learned my lesson and I don't do jokes like that anymore, but I do. Um, That's not the point, though. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. And so here we see the next lesson we need to learn. David praises God because God saves. He praises God because God saves. That's who God is. And I want to start here by looking at verse 20, actually. Verse 20, David writes The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. And as we think about David's life, it's easy to see why he would praise God for destroying the wicked. It's easy to see why he would worship God for removing the enemies from before him. And we can praise God knowing that God is going to eliminate our greatest enemies as well, that he's going to and has conquered sin and death, and he's going to remove those from our experience. And we can praise God that he has defeated our enemies, that he has conquered wickedness. But I think there's a warning in here as well that we need to be aware of. You see, David doesn't write, God destroys some of the wicked. He doesn't write, God destroys the wicked that I choose as David. He writes, All the wicked he will destroy. And we need to pause and reflect on that for a moment. All the wicked. Who are we? You see, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, we see that there is none righteous, not one. And if we even look at our lives, we'll see, well, there's been many times, maybe this is just me, many times when I've rebelled against God, when I've sinned against God, when I've failed to live up to the perfectness and the glory that God deserves and demands. And so I'm not righteous, and, and no one here is. And the scary part is that if it's just up to us and our lives and who we are as people, we're the wicked. And God's going to destroy all the wicked. And so where does the praise and the hope come from when we think about this passage that way? Well, then we need to look at the rest of the verses in this section. Then we can see where David's hope comes from. There we can see that the Lord is near to all who call on him. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. This is the good news about these verses is that, yes, we are wicked. Yes, on our own merit, we would be sentenced to destruction, But God hears the cries of those who call out to him. He comforts and watches over those who love him. We don't need to be afraid. In fact, we can praise God that the wicked will be destroyed because God has saved us from our wickedness. David had watched God save people from wickedness throughout his lifetime, but he doesn't know the extent that God is going to to save people from their wickedness. We do, so our praise should be even greater than David's because we know that while we were wicked, God sent his son, his righteous son, to the cross to take the wickedness from those who would call out to him onto himself. He rose his righteous son from the grave so that we could have his righteousness God saved us from our wickedness through his son. He has made us righteous through Jesus Christ. And when we call out to him, we are saved from our wickedness. It has been removed from us and put onto Christ. And we have been given Christ's righteousness so that when the wicked is destroyed, we are not among the wicked. We are among the righteous because of Jesus Christ. God saves. And when we understand the extent of God's saving grace, the love that he poured out for us, the way that he saved us from our wickedness, we should have no other response but to praise God that he saves us. Those of us who were wicked are now made righteous through his saving work, through Christ on the cross. Praise him. And that's how the psalm ends. That's what David does. As he thinks about the saving grace of God, he writes, My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord, Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. And so as we're sitting here, and we're thinking about God, and we're thinking about our lives, And maybe some of us find ourselves in that place where we are hanging by our jackets on that fence post and we don't know how to move forward. We feel like that joy and that faith is being sucked out of our lives. We need to find that fullness that God promises us. Or even if we're here and we're in a pretty good space, we need to remember who God is. We need to thank him for who he is and what he's done. We need to let his greatness direct us in praise and worship of him. We praise God for who he is and let that praise overflow into our hearts and revitalize our lives to energize us, to give us more and more joy as we worship God more and more every day. As we reflect on this psalm, We need to let David's words become our words. C.S. Lewis, in his uh, book, Reflection on the Psalms, he writes these words, and they are beautiful. He writes, The most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. The most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. So as we leave here today, we need to become more familiar with this psalm. We need to become more familiar with the praise that David has for God. We need to be more familiar with these words and let the praise that David has for his father, the praise that David has for his god, the, the praise that David has for his king, pour into our lives. We need to see God the way David sees God and understand the greatness of who he is and praise him for it. But most importantly, we need to become familiar with the God that this psalm points us to. We need to come to know that God is always at work even when we don't see it. We need to come to know the goodness of God. We need to come to praise God for the fact that he is in control of everything. We need to trust God and we need to praise our God who saves. He is good, and he is worthy to be praised.